0: Hey folks, welcome back to the vc 3 cast. I am Brian with me as always are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about 52 volume three. Before we do this, uh, Vince and Zach, can you please go to, uh, your search engine of choice and look up the cover to 52 volume three of the trade and listeners, I, I encourage you to do the same thing. Uh, look up the trade for 52 volume three. Okay, I think I got it. Uh, give me a
1: second.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, yeah, I've got it. It has Batwoman in the center of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, going from left to right, you have Zach Braff uh, as, <laughs> as as Will Magnus, <laughs> Kevin Spacey as as uh, Lex Luthor. And uh, Brain Guy from Mystery Science Theater 3000 as the Spectre. Now, I am putting in our chat Brain Guy, in case Vince or Zach isn't familiar with who Brain Guy is, um, but it's 100% Brain Guy. That is like that is 100% Zach Braff. I, nobody yeah, can tell you is. otherwise. It is. That's Oh, man. That's awful. Who
2: did that cover? J.G. Jones, baby. Oh, man, he's good, too, but, like, that is, that's a, that's a portrait. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He, he must have been going through something particularly dark at this time.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, he must. Uh, spoiler alert, not the last Scrubs reference of this episode. Well, uh,
1: didn't, um, didn't, uh, okay, no, Garden State had come out two years before this, so. Oh. I was wondering it's, if like Garden State had maybe just come out and he was like just love that movie so much. It, it just uh, invaded his brain. No It'd be but... weird
2: if like Dr. Cox were the were Lex Luthor <laughs> and the
0: Spectre was Turk. <laughs> and Carla was Batwoman. Yeah. Um <laughs> The Todd was in there somewhere. <laughs> Doctor the Kelso was Doctor Savannah. Doctor Savannah.
2: Yeah, um, there you go. Yep. All right. Um
1: now Zach Braff is gonna be well, Magnus in the DCEU in the
0: Snyderverse.
2: Oh, that'd be great.
0: I'm all for it. All for it. Um, all right. So I, I took the liberty of reading this digitally so that I would have the backup stuff we talked about. And I also still read the back matter from the trade. So I have all that stuff to get into. So let's dig in here. Uh, we're starting with 52, number 27. Uh, as always, this is written by Mark Wade, Jeff Johns, uh, Grant Morrison, and Greg Rucka, and illustrated this month, this issue, rather, by Joe Bennett. So uh, in this issue, uh, Ralph and the Helmet of Fate visit the Spectre. Uh, they run into Jean Loring, who is, like, trapped in stasis in outer space, which I believe is how the Shadow Pact left her. It was in one of those yeah, Infinite Crisis... Yeah, the of Vengeance. Yeah. One of those Infinite Crisis tie-ins. Um, and so the specter basically says, "If you kill Gene, I'll help you bring back Sue." And Ralph it's twisted. It, it's very twisted. And, this
1: issue is very twisted. Yes, it's dark.
0: Um, Ralph goes. Uh, Ralph goes so far as to bring Gene to the moment of Sue's death and makes her watch it. And by default, has to watch it himself and cannot bring himself to kill her Uh, i'm kind of jumping around the issue here i just i I want to sort of tell the that story in one um but but ralph says that you know i i can't do it i'm not going to basically stoop to that level and the specter basically says you pussy if you had done that you (laughs) could have saved your wife but you didn't so and um yeah the specter is a dick in this issue
1: I'm really confused. Can someone clarify something for me? Because I thought that the Spectre was bound to Crispus Allen at the end of Infinite Crisis.
0: I don't know. I don't think that's happened yet. Here's the thing, though. Crispus Allen is dead. So I don't know when else it would have happened. But this is this appears like I thought... to be just the Spectre untethered, right? Because, because, essentially, right, right. because essentially Ralph takes on the Spectre.
1: I At thought there point. was like specifically a scene in like the you uh, know the, the eighth issue or the seventh issue or whatever of the of Day of Vengeance, you know, the like Infinite Crisis special where we see the Spectre possess Dead Christmas Alan.
0: I, I'm I'm not positive. That sounds right to me.
1: Yeah. I just yeah. That was like. I'm sure these people know what they're doing better than I do. Maybe there was this thing where the specter could like leave his body or something. I don't know that I, this just like seemed like a continuity gaffe to me and I, I can't prove it. I guess I could prove it. I'm going to look up that issue right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while Zach does that, I'll continue on. We see wave rider for the first time here. He is confronted by skeets who says basically, why do you think I'm gold? Who do you think I melted that off of? Which is a pretty sick burn towards, uh, <laughs> towards Rider, literally yes uh, Skeets is looking for Rip Hunter still at this point uh, we see in Nanda Parbat um, Renee Montoya is being trained by Richard Dragon while Tot is sort of deciphering the crime Bible and um, Charlie is getting sicker we don't really see him as ill before this uh, Renee mentions that maybe she was just too like self-centered to notice it beforehand, but we haven't been given too many signs that he's dying until until this part. But we see in the Crime Bible that the daughter of Cain, uh, Cain is in Cain and Abel, uh, you know, in the Bible, the first murderer, we see that the daughter of Cain is going to be sacrificed by the by the religion of crime, by intergang, um, and they are led to believe that this is Kate Cain who is going to be killed. And so they are to leave... Uh, they are to leave Nanda Parbat to go protect Kate at the same time that Ralph decides he's going to go to Nanda Parbat. Um, The back matter in this issue is the backup rather is Black Canary by Mark Waid and Howard Chaykin tugging at the collar, tugging at the collar. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Uh, The one interesting bit from the back matter here is that there is something that happens in Identity Crisis where before the phone rings, and sue dibney answers she hears a noise downstairs and she says ollie is that you and they said that they specifically had ralph go back to this moment to close that continuity error there that she's hearing ralph and gene in the house when she says that which is just an incredible attention to detail that probably is totally unnecessary Okay. We have Spectre confirmation yes. here.
1: Yes. Okay. It wasn't in Day of Judgment. It was in Infinite Crisis number six. The Spectre gets pulled into Christmas Allen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know what's up with this. Well,
0: Mark Wade, you have our email address if you need it. Answer for your crimes. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's probably some explanation that I don't know about. I'm sure there is. All right. Uh, issue 28 is illustrated by Drew Johnson. Uh, in this issue, we see Charles... Uh, sorry, before I go on, anything else to say about any of those storylines about the... The Ralph and Gene Loring stuff, or the Skeets Wave Rider, or the uh, Questions storyline? The Questions stuff is just
1: so brutal. Um, And this is like the beginning of it. I, I had forgotten just how good this was. And I think this volume is definitely, this batch of issues is by far the best of what we've talked about so far. And a big part of it is just like how well
2: written the question storyline is. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of good art involved in that too. A lot of, Mm -hmm. lot of evocative imagery. Yes.
0: Yes. I agree with that. Okay. Um, So let's move on to uh, issue number 28. I mentioned illustrated by Drew Johnson. So in this issue, uh, Charlie and Renee go back to Gotham. We, we see some really fun Charlie and Renee, like, bickering stuff. There, there's a note in the back matter that Wade says that he likes that the two of them bicker, but as soon as Kate shows up, they're a unified front. And uh, that, that is just good writing for them. Uh, we get a little bit of an update on the Red Tornado situation. We see him in the outback, his head on this robotic beast. We see that, that, that thing destroyed. Uh, we get a very brief check-in with the space crew. Uh, the question and The questions rather and batwoman intercept intergang but um manheim escapes when they're trying to uh tear kate's heart out the most interesting part to me about this is that intergang says when they see the questions like oh no the questions are here you're not supposed to be here yet and so there's this beginning of this understanding that the crime bible slash religion of crime slash intergang that they have some sort of knowledge of the future which doesn't really get touched on again in this volume. And honestly, I can't remember how much of that gets touched on in the fourth volume either, but I like that beat. Um, and the last bit we get here is we see that the um, the the eye of... We start to, we see the head of Ekron, not just the eye of Ekron, and that there is a Green Lantern trapped in there, or not trapped in there, rather, I guess, piloting the head of Ekron. And... Um, that Green Lantern watched their sector die because they did not have the the power to stop Lady Sticks, um, and yeah, so that's we, we get a little bit more uh, stuff from the Ekron mythology there. Uh, the The backup is Catman's origin by Mark Wade and Dale Eaglesham. Nothing too spectacular there, and nothing really of note mentioned in the back matter. Any thoughts on issue twenty eight?
2: Um, you know, un- unfortunately, I, I I don't think this space hero stuff is all that great. I, I think that might be the my least favorite part of 52, all things considered. It, it feels more like a play. It feels like stalling to me.
1: I yes. mean, I'm I'm enjoying it less than I remember, but also where we leave off is in like it, with the story at the end of this volume is a point that i remember fondly but i just i really don't remember what happens i'm i again i'm kind of like reading this with fresh eyes um but i'm wondering where it goes from here i can't exactly remember yeah but i, I yeah i agree with you in this volume it just kind of treads water
0: i actually think that a number of the things in this in this book when you look at all the stories put together I think the stories that seem to be the most fun on paper are the least consequential. Like, I'm tipping my hat a little bit for something later, but like tip my hand, rather. Um, I think that the mad scientist stuff is conceptually so much fun, but usually pretty boring when it's happening. And I feel the same way about the space stuff.
1: Yeah, which is
2: unfortunate. Those are the morrison bits
0: (laughs) right exactly yeah
2: i I love the scientist stuff by contrast like i think that stuff's great there's
1: a huge final crisis tease and the mad scientist bit that i did not catch on initial reading
0: Mm. okay we'll get to that in a few minutes then i suppose
1: Um. yeah i need to make a note of when that was exactly
0: okay well let's get to issue number 29 then this one is illustrated by chris batista This one is uh, Brian Nip as it begins with the JSA. We see Wildcat, Alan Scott, and Jay Garrick, and they are basically saying there's no use for them anymore because of Luthor's um, Everyman program, and we see the JSA essentially disband. Uh, This is taking place on Thanksgiving Day. There is usually a big JSA... JLA Thanksgiving dinner, which is some of the best stuff from this era in comics. I love those Thanksgiving dinner issues. They're always so much fun. And they are watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade from from their headquarters, and they see Infinity Inc. in the parade, and they're introducing a new member whose name is Jade. And we see Alan obviously very upset about this. And then we see um, Obsidian show up, Jade's brother, and he says this isn't right, and he tries to stop them. And, and the, this big showdown happens between the JSA and Infinity Inc. and Obsidian, where basically the Infinity Inc. folks are saying, you guys had your chance, you didn't do a great job, we're going to be better heroes than you were, because we're normal people. We have, we have a better grasp on sort of the real world than you do. Uh, then we jump over to Oolong Island with the mad scientist. We see Savannah with a uh, chainsaw tearing up like a, I think it's like a, a, a six-winged or a six-legged turkey. It's some sort of mutated turkey. And a taro turkey. Taro turkey. Like pterodactyl. Yes, and this is where we see Will Magnus <laughs> is ex- is exposed for being on antidepressants, and they're stolen from him. And that is to unlock his genius potential. Um, yeah, this this Go is ahead. where
1: the final crisis bit is. Oh,
0: what does it tell us?
1: Um, so the bit where um, this this female scientist does this is this Veronica Kale or is this someone else?
0: It is Veronica Kale.
1: Okay. Um, she takes him to the bathroom and she's acting really weird. And she talks about, like, technology from another world, a higher, brighter, more terrible world has fallen to Earth. And then she quotes, I saw a star fall. I saw a star from the sky which had fallen to Earth, the key to the pit of abyss, which is basically, like, language that Morrison uses to talk about dark side mm. falling to Earth in, like, the lead up to Final Crisis. Which makes me wonder if she's, like, supposed to be possessed by one of the new gods in this.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Um, I don't know if that's addressed in Fifty Two. I don't remember that, but there are just like heavy shades of some of this like language that Morrison was using in and around Final Crisis.
0: Mm. Yeah, I did not mm, that That's good, all. Zach. That is good. Uh, the last bit we get from this issue is that there is um. Uh, we, we're seeing steel, like, basically peeling himself of his steel coating, which means there is an expiration date on the powers that Luthor has given uh, to the to the various people. This issue has no backup, surprisingly. And uh, the back matter is one of many instances in this uh, volume where you realize what a dick Keith, Diff, Keith Giffen is, because it mentions mm-hmm. how just to fuck with people, he would draw... A bunch of Marvel characters in the backgrounds, and basically, like it's a test to folks are paying attention, so they don't illustrate Marvel characters. And one of the characters in the parade, there was a Spider-Man float, and they kept Spidey's eyes, but it's on a pig. Now, ah, um, Spider Pig, Spider Pig from the Simpsons movie. Yes, this is a tie-in yeah, with exactly. the Simpsons movie. <laughs> Wonderful. Which is now problematic um, because that's owned by Disney, which owns Marvel. So there we go. <laughs> That is that is a stealth callback to
2: uh Christ on the infinite earths which had Spider Man in it. That's true, yes. <laughs> um so what do you guys think of this? Uh I I smiled imagining showing uh John Madden the tarot turkey. Because I, <laughs> I thought of
0: thought of the turducken?
2: turducken and how much yeah. he enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Um I really like the mad scientist stuff. I I really do. I think um I think it's wacky. I think it's playful. Um I love how it folds in the the crime bible stuff unexpectedly. Yeah, we'll get to um, that, in I, fu- I eat that in the future, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. That wasn't in the yeah, yeah. I'm, I, but but yeah, I I really do like the way that this is unfolding.
0: See, I don't think that this is like playful and zany enough. Like we get all these mad scientists, but we we don't really see what any of them do all day. We don't see a lot of zany inventions. We don't see a lot of crazy stuff. We see the four horsemen and we see what Will Magnus is working on, but we don't get To me this is just such a missed opportunity to go 100% silly and and just be be as comic booky as possible and they really dropped the ball in my opinion on that. Yeah, We see some stuff that
1: Savannah is doing later on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I tend to agree with you. Um, but I liked this issue a lot overall, both because I liked the JSA stuff. I geeked out over the possible Final Crisis uh, foreshadowing and... Um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much it.
0: Anything else, Vince, from this issue? Mm, no. Okay.
1: Let's get to the really good one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is number thirty, illustrated by Joe Bennett. Uh, so we see Dick Grayson and Tim Drake, and they are searching for Bruce Wayne. And this is this is an odd issue for a few reasons. But when we last saw Bruce Wayne, it, you know. Again, I know that the one-year-later stuff was happening at this time, but at the end of Infinite Crisis, Tim and Dick and Bruce go off on a journey. We catch up with them here, but Bruce has gone missing from them, and we get some fun Dick and Tim stuff. I am always a fan of watching those two uh, together. And we'll get to Bruce in a second. Um, we go back to uh, the Renee and Charlie stuff, and Charlie is 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 starting to to really slip away here. This is sort of the last issue where he has any real lucidity to what's going on. Uh, there's a great shot, though, of of him resting and he sees that Renee is meditating and he has this smile on his face that's just like pure pride beaming from him. It's a, it's a really, really great scene. Um, but we get this this scene between Dick and Tim where they're talking about essentially how Bruce cracked and how he is trying to basically purge himself of Batman, and so he is he is walking through the empty quarter. He meets the ten eyed man. He is trying to have a demon expelled from himself, and that demon is Batman. And at the end of it, he says Batman is gone, um, which we'll you know we'll follow up on that a little bit later. And um, we see Batwoman out searching for Manheim. She meets Dick Grayson for the first time. He flirts with her, not realizing he is barking up the wrong tree, but uh, Dick is a himbo, and so he is, of course, going to be flirting with anyone he comes in contact with. He mentions he has a thing for redheads, which I guess <laughs> in continuity is true, um, and yeah, it, it's, it's the first time, it, it's, it, it falls a little bit short of being a really cheesy meat cute moment, but it is nice to see, I, I think Dick should be the official like ambassador of the Bat family to the world. So it's good that he is the one who first meets Kate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backup here is The Metal Men by Mark Wade and Duncan Rouleau. And there's not much in the back matter for this issue. Uh, Zach, you call this the good issue. Talk about why it's the good issue.
1: Well, I mean, I'm a man of simple taste. I only like a few things. And one of those things is Graham Morrison's Batman run. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, this is basically like
2: <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's not. It's
1: not the like. It's not the pilot because Batman and Son had already been published at this point. But, um, I think this kind of this like sets up all of yes. Morrison's Batman yes. run essentially. And it's, oh uh, man, I I had actually forgotten about. Uh, a lot of this. Cause I think I read it before I read Morrison's Batman. And like, I forgot that the tin eyed man stuff first appears in this. Um, and just that whole scene was so good. Like flinch That's and you, you flinch and you will not survive. And it's just like, do it. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, and then, yeah, especially like the Dick and Tim stuff is really good. The Dick and Kate stuff. This is just a, like a, I mean, I know there's like a cutaway to the the question storyline, but I think otherwise this is entirely a bat family centric issue. And I mean, it even works the question so well, that even way. the
0: question storyline is 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 a bat storyline, really. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it exists
1: on its own, too. Kate Kate is a part of it. Um, it does like interplay with the things that are happening here. And Renee um, is a
0: Gotham character
1: exactly yeah yeah uh i i just don't want to like this like the renee's journey is like
0: it's its own thing yes
1: it's its own thing yeah and so i don't want to just like i don't want to like undermine that but also the bit where you know tim is like isn't it obvious bruce wants us to be the new batman and robin which like foreshadows you know what actually happens where you know dick does become batman but tim is not robin um Ah, oh, I I just got I got chills reading this issue. It was so good.
0: There's there's what mm-hmm. you're forgetting exactly how that scene wraps up though, which adds to the greatness of it, which is Tim says, "Don't you get it? Bruce wants us to be the new Batman and Robin." And Dick says like, "Bruce, how could you do this to me?" or something like that, like implying he does uh, not want to yeah. be Batman. And then we know what happens, uh, and so it's just it's such a great for- bit of foreshadowing.
2: Yeah, I love yeah. it. That's fantastic.
0: Ah, oh, it's
2: Oh man, comics were
0: so good back then.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're good again too. That's that's fine.
0: Vince, anything to add to
2: this issue? No, you guys said it all. The the ten eyed man stuff. I was just
0: I was hooting and hollering for sure <laughs> at that. We know you were. We know you were. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Issue thirty one is illustrated by Chris Batista. Be it Captain Comet seeing him for the first time since the Ranthanagar War. Maybe he showed up in actually Infinite Crisis. I don't remember, but um, he's a big part of Ranthanagar War. Uh, we just see... Uh, this This issue is just full of rampant destruction, essentially. This is one of the bleakest issues we got. This is all to basically set up um, sort of the, uh, the lady sticks. This is all to bring the space stuff, to, to show the consequences... If the space crew is not successful in stopping the the threat from Lady Sticks and Co., um, we get some stuff later in the issue where we see <laughs> the eating of a Green Lantern ring, which is fucked up. I never I never thought possible before, but here we are. We see someone doing that. Um, yeah, we'll get to that stuff again in a second. This is. This part gets confusing to me because there's a member of Infinity Inc. called Everyman, but the project is called the Everyman Project. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's confusing who we're talking about here. But Everyman. And every Everyman looks a ton like Lex Luthor, too. Yes, he does. Yes, he's drawn yeah. like a little creepy Lex Luthor. And, um, Which I think is the point. But yes. Yeah. And he is super creepy here. He basically, uh, you, you find out that all he has to do is eat something and can take its shape. And we see him posing as Jake, who is Natasha's <laughs> boyfriend, and basically from he... State Farm. Yes, Jake. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, you're off the show for that one. God, uh... I'm just happy it wasn't me. I kicked off the show, um, but yeah, he he turns into Jake and from State Farm, yes, Zach, and <laughs> creeps on Natasha, and it's bad. Um, you want
2: to? Throw a discount double check reference in there for me or something. Or
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> we see Ralph. Remember we, that one? I do remember that one. That that was your boy, right? That was my boy. Yeah. Um. So we see we see Ralph Dibney meet up with Cassie again, and she is at the statue of Superboy, and uh, she basically says that the the leader of the cult of Connor was uh, was a con man, con no pun intended. And ah. uh, and, that, you know, but but that she still sort of believes in the tenets of resurrection that is possible. And Ralph says that, yes, something did happen in that moment. And Sue was briefly brought back. And so he is not giving up on the idea of resurrection. And obviously neither is Cassie. But Cassie believes that Supernova is Connor. But it turns out that Supernova is not Connor. Supernova is somebody that Ralph Ralph's aware who Supernova is, and um, he he basically keeps it to himself. But he says, you know, that there were a couple of keys there, one of them being Superman being gone. Um, yeah. So that's that's issue thirty one. The backup is Robin by Mark Wade and Freddie Williams, and uh, this back matter sees Keith Giffen mention uh, he, he he's talking about. I believe it's maybe the Renee part. There's there's one story in here where he talks about it being quote passed around the offices like a bong and he just says like such a narc would say it. Like there's there's no way that he's uh he's smoking with Grant. He's uh he's just such a dipshit and he says it in such a dismissive way, it's bad. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it is.
1: Um I know we just got done saying that the space stuff was pretty boring, but uh-huh. this issue, the space stuff is actually really good.
0: But this issue doesn't really have our space heroes in it.
1: Uh, not until the very end, yeah. yeah. But it's still part of the space storyline. It is, though. yes, yeah. Yeah. Um
0: I'll give you that.
1: Yeah. Uh believer cubes, you know, mm-hmm. and all that.
2: Yes, absolutely. That was good. um yeah uh, yeah i mean i don't really have anything to add um you guys said it all i i think the i think i don't what i don't like about the space hero storyline is i i don't give a shit about the lobo stuff i mean some of it's the main man some of it's yeah some of it's funny but i just don't I yeah, yeah, I don't I don't go I don't go in for that. I, I
1: remember the triple fish god stuff being a lot more like funny same and good than it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I very much feel that way too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Alright, uh issue thirty two illustrated by Pat Olaf. We see Ralph and uh fate in Nanda Parbat, which I, I thought I guess issue like I guess it's thirty ends with them saying they're going there, but they stop off in Metropolis first. But now we see them actually there. Um, we see Osiris try to join the Teen Titans, and he's carrying Sobek in a hoodie. Sobek is basically dressed as Steve Buscemi in that "How are you doing, my fellow kids?" Uh, GIF. <laughs> um, he's just not he's just not carrying two skateboards uh, at the time. But uh, Osiris basically is told that. The world is still afraid of, of Black Adam and Co. But Captain Marvel Jr. says, Prove you've changed, and I'll help you get into the Titans. Um, this issue is the biggest stalling of the space hero stuff. We get like a, a brief flash of them, but nothing happens in it. And after last issue's really good space stuff, this just feels like they're trying to get the story to, to drag on for longer. Um, in Nanda Parbat, we meet. Uh, I guess we, we probably met him uh, briefly earlier, but uh, accomplished perfect physician of the Great Ten. Mm-hmm. And this stuff has, is real. this is really good Great Ten stuff. We get sort of an understanding of, of their relationship with China as, like, they, they don't consider themselves superheroes. They're just, like, emissaries of China. But you get the idea that they're not super comfortable being like, in the role they're in. There's a lot of nuance in, in this scene, is what I'm, I guess I'm saying. But yeah. after Ralph helps accomplish Perfect Physician, basically, uh, you know, rein in a Yeti who is uh, a reserve member of the Great Ten, he then can see Ramakrishna, which is the god of Parbat, and basically the message that um, that is given to him is just be careful what you wish for. Just, you know, love cannot be destroyed— it's all pretty nandy-pandy stuff, and uh, Accomplished Perfect Position even says at one point, like, and people say I'm obscure, or, or, or like, I don't give straight answers, or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't get that much there, but uh, the backup in this issue is Blue Beetle, the Jaime Reyes version by Mark Wade and Kali Hamner, and uh, there's a, a tribute to Neil Adams that's mentioned in the back matter. So, uh, Ramakushna was first illustrated by Neil Adams, and so there's a scene... We're looking at sort of this vision of Ramakushna and on the bottom there are flames and in the flames are written Neil Adams, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice little tribute there. Uh, Vince, what do you think of this issue?
2: I, I mean, I don't know. Fi- they're fine. <laughs> like nothing in particular. Um, you're, you're covering it all. I, I liked
1: this issue a lot. I really liked the Nanda Parbat stuff and the Ramakushna scene and the accomplished, specifically like the stuff too with accomplished perfect position. I thought all that was really good.
0: This is the point in the story where they're not really introducing anything that's new. They're just, and they're not really executing any end game yet. And a couple of issues, we do start to get some, some end game stuff showing up here but it's just like the second act of the story and there's not a ton to say about the second act sometimes. Yeah, I guess
1: I I feel like these the character moments in this volume though are like some of the best that the series has had so far. We're we're starting to get like you're right a lot of it is build up still to things that are happening, but it's also just like very good.
0: Oh, yes. All these issues are good. Pay off to things. Yeah. yeah. To things that have happened. Yeah. So issue 33 is is the Christmas issue. And this is illustrated by Tom Derenik and Joe Prado. Uh, we see Ralph at the Flash Museum in the Elongated Man room. And he's a little bit pissed that it's not the Elongated Man wing. <laughs> and he says if Barry was still alive, it'd be a whole wing for him. Um, <laughs> but we'll find out why he's there in a little while. Uh, we see the second meeting of Dick Grayson and Kate Kane. He gives her a batarang for Christmas, unaware that she is Jewish. Um, Then there's, um, let's see, Lex buys everyone in Infinity Inc. a, like, crazy expensive car and is shut down to Fifth Avenue in Gotham so they can basically drag race on Christmas. Who doesn't want to do that? Uh, We get the beginning of of Charlie, the question, Vic Sage. We We start to get him... It, it appears the cancer has spread to his brain, and so he's hallucinating, and he's delirious, and he's ill-tempered, and it's it's really brutal. This is where the Charlie stuff gets incredibly brutal, um, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. We see various people opening Christmas presents around the DCU, including Firestorm and a couple of their heroes. Uh, we also see that the Black Marvel family, they basically call a press conference, and they say, look, I know we did bad stuff, In the past but this is who we really are and they say shazam and they reveal their their true forms and they show that they are just human under that and they want the respect and the trust of the world and then we see the first appearance of the new suicide squad led by adam smasher and again we'll talk more about that uh next issue uh, the backup on this one is uh, Mark Wade and Tom Mandrake doing Martian Manhunter, and we should say like there are a couple of the, these backups that are that are good, but there's nothing super revelatory in them. But what I like is that like Tom Mandrake has a history with Martian Manhunter, Cully Hamner who did the Blue Beetle one has a history with the character. I like that they're sort of picking classic artists to do these with Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I sorry,
2: go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I like this Suicide Squad team. Yes, this is fun. I I miss having a Suicide Squad team that... Well, I mean, the, the current book is very good. But I mean, like, recent years, you know basically, like, four of the members that are going to be on every Suicide Squad team. Right. You know? Yeah. I like the the unexpected nature of this one.
0: You also like having the 5G flash on this team. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, there are two bits from the back, matter I did not want to talk about here. So... The, there's a part where Alfred is leading leading a children's choir, Alfred Pennyworth, and there's a kid who's being mean, and that kid's name is Dan, and they named him after Dan DeDio. <laughs> it says that in the back oh, matter because he's mean. Um, oh. But this is really cool. So everything that Charlie says while hallucinating, with like one or two exceptions, all comes from the Danny O'Neill question run. Rucka went and pulled bits of dialogue from those issues, and put those in his mouth here. Which, Man, is, that's which is which is great start. it's really yeah. good i i you know uh i really really enjoyed that aspect of it um so let's talk about this issue yeah. anything else about this issue um I-, I love a good christmas issue
2: yeah yeah I-, I think i'm such a sucker for that well that's one of the best parts
1: about 52 is that it is happening in real time i get to do these things with the progression of time, and and I mean, all we get we get Christmas issues like in December sometimes, but it uh or holiday issues, you know. But th- this is just a little bit extra, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing that's important this issue, um, I think this is uh where the book kind of starts to draw attention to Ralph's drinking his his developing a drinking problem Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is important later yes
0: anything else Mm -hmm. all right i think that's it let's take a break and when we come back we'll talk about issues 34 through 39 of 52
1: hey we're panels in motion a monthly podcast where we read a comic watch its movie adaptation and figure out what went right or what went wrong we focus on a wide variety of non-superhero comics. One month will be an American independent comic like The Mask or Kingsman, The next will be a European comic, like Persepolis or Tintin.
2: And the next will be a Japanese manga, like Lone Wolf and Cub or A Silent Voice. I'm a writer. I'm a director. And I'm a cinematographer. So we all have different perspectives on why an adaptation might or might not work. We're also a show where a discussion of Middle East education or the sexual revolution can take place alongside a discussion of the pros and cons of Jim Carrey's face. There is truly something for everyone. So check us out.
1: Go subscribe to Panels in Motion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And follow
0: us at Panels in Motion on Twitter and Instagram. See you soon. And we are back with issue 34, which was illustrated by Joe Bennett. Here we see uh, Adam Smasher, Suicide Squad in full effect. And we should we should mention who is on Adam Smasher, Suicide Squad. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the pages now. Um, oh, I got it. You got it. Okay, I know it's uh, Adam com- Smasher, Go Captain
2: on. Boomerang, Electrocutioner, Plastique, Persuader, uh, and Count Vertigo.
0: Uh, of those players, I think Captain Boomerang and maybe Count Vertigo are the only ones who I who I would like necessarily associate with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, mm.
1: plastique of futures and fame,
0: though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, God Zach, your mind sicko, it's bu- pure it, sicko, it's beautiful. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, like, so the the Adam Smasher's suicide squad is is tasked with stopping the Black Marvel family and they're really just trying to provoke them so that one of them snaps and that's what happens <laughs> um when um Osiris just like rips someone in half which which completely <laughs> John mimics... just
1: can't help himself. <laughs> no, he can't.
0: Uh it completely mimics what happens with Black Adam earlier in the series and it's caught on a film. And, uh, you know, he's it, just, it, it... go ahead.
1: I was going to say, it's also eerily similar to like what Superboy Prime did. Like, yep. like John's just can't help, but like make these young, innocent heroes, just vicious murders.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, we also see, um, like the infinity Inc is going clothes shopping and we see someone suggest that <laughs> Natasha buy the world's tiniest thong it's 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 one of the many instances of just like gross sexualization of teenagers that happens in these issues but that's a particularly bad one but this is where we begin to see the ice melt between natasha and steel steel basically gives her some information about um about the everman program and basically says like here you look into this yourself you know draw your own conclusions and that that sees the beginning of the ice melting um We we get one of my favorite issues, uh, one of my favorite things in these issues, which is we see Lex Luthor has kidnapped Clark Kent, who still does not have all the powers of Superman, and instead of asking him like who is Superman, he says I know that Supernova is Superman, and Clark says like I can tell you, buddy, Supernova is not Superman, and it's just it's a really really good scene, um, it's perfect, it's funny. It's also the last time that we see Luthor in this, ish, in this series not be, like, 100% evil. Um, because right after this, we begin to see just just Luthor, what, what he's really capable of in terms of, uh, of evilness. And so the issue ends with uh, New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve, and, and the, the ball drops. And we see Infinity, Inc. and other superheroes flying through the air. I guess it's really... It's the other superheroes. It's not Infinity, Inc. And we see Luthor has a remote control in his hand. And no, he's not taping Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Year. <laughs> he is going to do something much more evil, which we'll get to at the beginning of the next issue. Uh, the back matter here... Is the backup, rather, is uh, Zatanna by Mark Wade and Brian Boland. Nice to see Brian Boland doing some art here. And um, the cover of this issue is a toe tag on a body with a question mark on it. And in the back matter, Rucka discusses how people thought that, that Charlie died at the end of this issue because it's, it's left a little bit ambiguous and because of that cover. And I said last time that I thought the covers of 52 spoil more than they should. And I feel like this is a good example of sort of what we're talking about. We all know that Charlie is going to die eventually, but folks thought he was dead because of this cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not the most egregious spoiler we're going to get on a cover in this volume, which we get to in a little while. Um, but what did you guys think of issue 34?
2: Um,
1: I think this is the one that I thought was just fine. It was fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the next one with how it begins, um, is, is a stunner. This one. Yeah. It's more transitional. I, I, you already brought up the Clark Kent scene, which I think is the standout scene from this one. The Natasha stuff is really weird. Le- Lex's like Lex's like disposition around her is creepy throughout this whole thing. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's really weird. It's really like a grooming sort of thing, you know, <laughs> like uh, in more ways than one. Uh, yeah. Um, But yeah, Yeah. not not much else to say about it.
1: You you know what that remote is for?
2: Um,
1: Lexus is queuing up his 10 disc changer to get some drowning pool. um,
2: Oh, Zach. Oh, Zach. (laughs) Zach is on one tonight.
0: (laughs) He really is.
2: You're kind (laughs) of in savage mode tonight, Zach.
0: (laughs) Oh, right, well, issue 35, uh, get ready. You're going to about to get pointed at because this issue is illustrated <laughs> by Dan Jurgens and Phil Jimenez. The title of the issue is Reign of the Superman, R-A-I-N, which is a clever pun on the Reign of the Superman story from uh, the, the death and return of Superman. Uh, but so Luthor is not putting on drowning pool, but he is seeing the bodies at the floor because he has turned off the powers of all these heroes and saw them fall to this fall from the sky. Uh, we see the hospital St. Camillus for the first time since issue two or three, I think it is. Um, and we you know, we're just seeing this, the heroes basically trying to do triage for all these new superheroes that have lost their powers. Um, This is also where Natasha starts to really put together what's going on with Luthor. She starts to believe all the things her uncle's been telling her. And uh, it's... What I like about this is that I feel like the Natasha storyline is maybe the best paced of all the stories in this book. We see her come to this realization slowly and not be... uh, like I would say she handles this as naturally as you possibly can. Uh, oh, we should mention we see Offspring in this, the uh, Plastic Man's son. Always love a good Offspring appearance. Um, we see Luthor tell Infinity Inc. that they are their powers are still fine. And we see Natasha confide in Jake, her boyfriend, a.k.a. Skyman, what's going on with Luthor, and he vows to help her. We get another look at the space heroes after a few weeks off. And um, uh, Adam Strange basically uh, throws a fit here. He's just, he's he's sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, about all of this stuff. And Lobo says that he is, that that Lady Sticks put a bounty on their heads and he's going to deliver them to her. And, uh, but he makes a great like, huh, face when he finds that out. But, you know, it's, it's not quite what it appears to be, but. Yeah, that's issue uh, 35. There is no backup in this issue, and the back matter is pretty dull here. What did you guys think of this issue?
1: Uh, in, I, in the back matter, uh, Mark Wade talks about um, creating offspring. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I swear to you, he was the only thing good thing to emerge. Um, I guess talking about uh, the kingdom, which uh, Wade, give yourself a little more
0: credit. Uh, yeah, the kingdom, the kingdom good. ruled. Yes, yes, we yeah, enjoyed the kingdom. <laughs> Anything else to say about uh, this issue?
2: the The superheroes falling from the sky thing, I felt like that was another. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but um, that was another sort of Watchmen esque turn. Um you know, mimicking the last issue of that series. Mm -hmm. Um, And there there are those little vibes all over this thing, which I think, I like that. I I like when the DCU kind of calls out to Watchmen without doing a full-on, you know, Watchmen sequel or something, (laughs) like what we've been getting. Like, I, I, I like that that gets folded into their history in some way,
0: but not necessarily overtly. Yeah. Um, So, issue uh, 36, illustrated by Jamal Igle, we see Lobo bring the three space heroes into Lady Sticks, and she refuses to pay Lobo, and she is just saying that uh, (laughs) that he is a betrayal of the Lobo brand uh, and a coward (laughs) and a sellout, and this just sends Lobo into... You know, into overdrive, and Lobo kills everyone in sight. Essentially, you know, gives up his vow of uh, of nonviolence for this battle, and uh, basically goes Lobo all over everything. And in the process, we see Buddy gets the shit beat out of him, and he doesn't have any powers to use. And he starts foaming at the mouth, and uh, and he dies. He just he he falls over and he's gone and in san diego uh we see uh his family and you know his wife sort of feels through the cosmos that he is gone and she sheds a single tear then we're back with um uh with with charlie and renee in the hospital and he's still he's still dying he has no um he, he he has no chance of survival here. They he, they keep getting packages from Tot and Nanda Parbat with flowers that will keep him alive if he was in Nanda Parbat, but they're disintegrating on the way, and so that's when Renee realizes that she has to get Charlie back there. And so she goes on this mission to bring him back to Nanda Parbat. Um we check in with Osiris, who is uh reading the Condact News, the English edition and sees that he is considered a murderer worldwide and Sobek is basically, I hate when that happens I know it's the worst Sobek is basically saying that he is the only his only friend that he has we then see um, supernova he has found Rip hunter and they're they're working with a bunch of tools that are just like Brian 90s DC nip uh, we he they have the the staffs of the starmen uh, the Kryptonian Gauntlet of Le- Lex Luthor. Shadow Thief's Dimension Meter. Just all this fun stuff. And it turns out that they are doing their their super science stuff in the bottle city of Candor. What a fun way to end this issue. Mm. You um, know I love me some Candor. Yeah. The backup here is Power Girl by Mark Waid and Adam Hughes. And in the back matter, Keith Giffen... Further shows his ass, where he says that uh, that Morrison had written the Lobo destruction of Lady Sticks scene as sixteen identical squares, and at each shot of each each one will be a shot of Lobo like slicing his way through the heavies to get to to Lady Sticks, and he basically said, "I'm listening to read this verbatim because I, I don't want to misquote Keith Giffen here." Here's the deal. I knew what Grant wanted, but I had no idea how to pull it off without looking like a bad MTV video editing. Are you? Oh, God. What are you, a thousand years old, Keith? And then he says, so I opted for an impact shot and hoped it would play out. I think it did. Barely. My bad. It basically admits he fucked up, but did so in just a stupid way. So, yeah. <sighs> Jesus. Keith Giffen's the worst. Um, any other notes on this uh, on this issue, um,
2: I don't think so. Not on this one. I do like yeah. that... other other than the candor thing, which I you know we'll yes, get that yeah, big big next
0: issue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do like something that Renee says, where um, Kate says to her, "You're in denial," and she says, "Defiance is not denial." And I feel like that's a very good sort of summation of Renee's mission here. I like that a lot. Uh, so anything else, Zach, before I move on?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so issue 37, illustrated by Pat Olaf. Uh, this is the issue that the cover really pisses me off because the cover flat out tells you who Supernova is before mm-hmm. you've seen the inside of the issue. Now, let's pause here for one second. When you guys first read this, did you figure out it was Booster Gold? Because I certainly didn't the first time. No, I, I don't think so. No. So doesn't that seem shitty to reveal it on the cover? Yes. Yeah. The cover is is an image of Skeets, and the reflection in Skeets, you see that the like the top half of it is Booster Gold and the bottom half is Supernova. There's no hiding what that is, yeah. and uh, it's just bad. It's, it's 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 a poor decision. I.
1: You could almost, hmm. yeah, I mean, this is a very generous reading. I'm like looking at the cover and, you know, you also see Supernova's reflection on the two arms and that's like not Booster. Booster's only in the visor. You could maybe, like, this is a very, like, good faith reading, but think like, oh, like, is Booster inside of Skeets? Um, kind of like reaching to get out.
2: Mm-hmm the man that, inside skeets. Yeah, the man inside <laughs>
1: skeets cuz that's what it almost it almost kind of looks like that, you know. Yeah. Um but that's cool, that's not what happens. Um right. and I feel like the your your actual initial guess would be like, oh, supernova's booster gold uh from that. Yeah. Um it would have been actually better if it was a, a red herring and you know, like booster soul or something was inside of skeets. Uh, right. and that's what it was foreshadowing, but now it's yeah. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's uh it's a bad spoiler. Yeah.
0: So this issue begins with Candor starting to shake and Skeets is found supernova and um, Rip Hunter inside of Candor. And so this is maybe the laziest bit of writing we get in the entire uh, series, which is that to buy some time Rip Hunter says to Booster Tell him everything booster it'll buy me some time and he'll know soon enough anyway so this basically gives uh, like an in-story excuse for uh, for why booster gold is relaying exactly what happened over the past you know few weeks to uh, to skeets <laughs> but essentially uh, skeets comes to him when he's in rip- I mean rip Hunter comes to him when he's in his laboratories telling him what's happening with skeets and so he he sends him so he, he goes and he fights Supernova or he he, he fake dies as supernova when Rep Hunter puts his future corpse there for him, which is creepy as shit, and sends him twelve weeks back in time so he can begin to, to be posing as supernova while Booster Gold is still around to uh to to you know, to stave off suspicion of who he is. Then we see them, they, they've come up with a Phantom Zone projector, which is where a lot of Supernova's powers come from, and because they're at the Fortress of Solitude, and they they try and shoot Skeets with it, but instead Skeets eats all of the souls from the Phantom Zone, which is pretty fucked up. Um, but But yeah, and then we see Booster and Rip make nut faces and disappear, and uh, Skeets goes after them. Then we see um, we check in with Mayor Oliver Queen for the first time, um, which we haven't seen in, in weeks, uh, if not if not from this, maybe even from Volume One. I can't remember, but it's basically just to remind us that Oliver Queen is now Mayor of Star City. Then we we see the funeral of uh, Buddy Baker in space. It is presided over by Archbishop Lobo, and we see um, Adam Strange and Starfire are very sad to be leaving him, but they must leave him because his body might be contaminated as so they had to leave him. And so as they pull away, he wakes up and says, no, don't leave me. And uh, we see two aliens say to him, and so it begins. And that is the uh, that is the the issue. The back matter, the backup rather, is Firestorm by Mark Wade and Jamal Eigel. And here is the part that a Simpsons reference. Uh, <laughs> so Mark Wade and I th- I think you hate this episode, Vince. Mark Wade says his favorite episode of The Simpsons is the Frank Grimes episode. Hmm. Do you hate that episode? Am I right about that? Yeah, I I hate that. Ep- yeah. Yeah. So basically, yeah, he that said that there is. was that this is what the original dialogue was going to be back. In week 15, the issue when Booster, quote, dies. he was going to say, hey, Metropolis, you want a big shiny star to light your skies? Well, here I am. That's right. Every damn body. Ooh, look at me. I'm a big mystery man who tries to make Booster Gold look like a jerk. Uh, ooh, I'm the city's big <laughs> sensation in my own wavy blue cape. I'm everyone's new favorite. Look at me. I'm supernova. And then he was going to die. And so the big... <laughs> all right that's good that's essentially, a good essentially the frank grimes gag from that episode but he said he said like he would say look at me i'm supernova which is essentially giving the reveal but it's hidden in this way that you would never think of that which is really good writing um, yes but they didn't want him to do that that's that's really funny that's i wish they would have yeah same uh anything else to say about this issue
2: uh I actually really like the the I, I think it's it's stupid and contrived the way that like he just spouts out all the exposition, of course, but um I, I really like that twist. I, I really like it. I even knowing it this time around, like I, I just think that's such a such a good uh you know, science fiction superhero way to resolve this. Yeah, it's fun nothing wrong with
0: it zach what say you
1: uh yeah i agree it's a good it's a good reveal it's good um the stuff with animal man is really good um his uh his resurrection very exciting i legitimately do not remember what comes next for it same, so, but I'm same, yeah. i'm excited to relive it
0: all right, issue 38 is illustrated by Joe Bennett. Uh, we see uh, Renee and Charlie on the road to Nanda Parbat, and Charlie is really not doing well. She's giving him lots of morphine, trying to get him to eat, and he is getting belligerent at this point. And, uh, you know, I, we mentioned before how rough these these issues are. I think that the art team does a really good job in making Charlie look very, very sick in these issues. Yes. Um, like almost comically. So at times, but very, very sick. And I think that Rucka's writing here is top notch and we see just, you know, he, he mentions somewhere in here that, you know, that he has experienced losing people to cancer and that sometimes people go easy and sometimes people go hard and that Charlie's going not the hard way, you know, and this is just heart rending stuff. It's, It's, it's really, really well written though. Um, we get our first look at oolong Island in a while and we see that will Magnus is basically Rorschach because he's eating uh, cold human bean juice. Um, mm-hmm. No, he's eating beans from a, from a can, uh, which becomes a, a plot point in a little while. But we see the four horsemen show up finally. the, the device the, the devices rather that have been built on oolong Island. We get a lot of egg foo reading from the uh, crime Bible here. Uh, one of the four horsemen have already left uh, to get a head start on their plan we see them say black Adam so we know what they're going after him uh, we then get the saddest scene which is uh, Renee trying to get Charlie up to Nanda Parbat and she is just she's dragging him through the snow and she's running low on morphine and she doesn't know where to go and it's just it keeps getting sadder and sadder We jump to Steel for the first time in a few issues and we see Steel and Beast Boy and one of the former Everyman people discussing what Luthor's plan is. We see Natasha is now starting to take actual action against uh, against Luthor and Co. And then we get the continued scene of uh, Renee and Charlie and she's carrying him up the mountain. And he is so cold. She thinks the only thing that will help is by putting his question mask on to give him some insulation. And he basically slides off of the uh, off of the, the sledge he's bringing him on. And when she sees him, the mask is just bloody, and it's it's a terrible, terrible image. Um, but we we get a little bit of lucidity. He pulls the mask off, and. He basically tells her that you just have to accept that he's dying. And Renee says, I don't know who I am without you. And he says, it's a trick question, Renee, not who you are. Who are you going to become? It's time to change. And uh, we see that she has dragged him basically in the shape of a, uh, of a question mark. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly sad scene. Um, but really, really well done. Uh, the backup is Red Tornado by Mark Waid and Phil Jimenez. And the back matter is just Rucka talking about the the various bits of, of you know, writing somebody dying in a comic. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach, what do you think of this issue?
1: Yeah, it was really brutal. Um, but also really, really well done. Um, yeah. And then the, payo- the payoff at the end where the last panel is they, they have arrived at Nanda Parbot and someone's coming out to get them. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. It's a good scene though, or a good sequence.
2: I, uh, I, the science squad stuff in this, in this one with the, with the horsemen and the, like all that stuff whips, um, the timing of it the the way that the way the art works with the script and and having uh having chang tzu re- like reading from the crime bible as this is all going on is just super uh over dramatic and and fantastic see i i love that stuff i think that science stuff whips
0: i i think it i think none of it lands as well as it should oh man and I'm somewhere in between.
2: <laughs> it's usual. Yeah, that's that's fine.
0: That's okay. All right, onto our final issue of the night, issue number thirty-nine. So uh, this begins with Natasha and Jake following um, one of the the scientists, uh, Dr. Lachlan, into his office, and his office blows up. The Infinity Inc. kids are okay, but the he himself is gone, and we see. Um, we basically see Luthor and his team trying to investigate this because they want to find out basically why he did what he did, and we'll get to that in a second. We see um, Ralph and Fate underwater in the ruins of Atlantis. They meet an amnesiac Aquaman who doesn't exactly know what's going on, but he does tell them where they have to go to get something to get a piece of the shackles of Arian, and Ralph gives up his wicker wedding ring, which fate then makes bigger and into a, a stronger material to get that chain to, to he, it's part of what's needed for the resurrection procedure that's going to happen. Uh, we then are back on Oolong Island and, uh, we see <laughs> clock King show up. um, and he's missing fifty-two seconds. We also see Savannah has created artificial time called suspendium, which is a really fun concept. It's a very Grant Morrison idea there. And then we see a conversation between Tio Maro and Will Magnus. And if you're if you're sharp-eyed while you're watching this, you will see Mercury the Metal Man behind the computer, just like sneaking around. And once Tio Maro leaves, um, he says, please stay out of sight, Mercury. And he says, oh, sure. Like, I ever listened to a word that came out of your mouth? And then he says his catchphrase, which is, say, Doc, did I ever tell you it was the only metal that's liquid at room temperature? Which we'll be hearing at least one more time in the series. We then get a scene uh, back in condock with, um, Os- with uh, Iris and Sobek and Black Adam. And they are talking about just how, how terrible everything is uh, with Osiris. And we see the great gardens of Kandak are starting to wither and die. We then see Lex Luthor and he is talking about... And he's being spied on by Natasha. And we hear him say that, um, that something big is happening in 15 minutes. We don't really know what that is yet. We see Jake bring Natasha into a room to explain something to her. And we see Jake's dead body with a bunch of uh, limbs cut off. And a plate where he was obviously eating, he was being eaten rather, uh, with a glass of wine, and yep, it's every man. It's shitty Lex Luthor, who was posing as uh, as Jake. He then poses as Natasha in front of Natasha, which is creepy and weird. Um, and Natasha basically uh, beats the shit out of him or attempts to, until Lex Luthor steps in and. Uh, blocks her energy beams and we find out that Luthor was not unacceptable for this program it is just that uh, he was lied to by Dr. Lachlan and so um, the issue ends with Natasha calling him an animal and he says wrong I'm Superman and we get a great visual of his shirt had been ripped up by the beam that she had shot and so it sort of cuts out the the shield of the Superman logo on his chest. It's a pretty yeah. great, pretty great last scene there. Um, the backup is Mister Terrific by Mark Wade and Ethan Van Shutter. I'm, uh, it's rough. Yeah, not much in the back matter for this issue, and that wraps up this volume. What do you guys think about this issue?
2: Um. Well, it's, the science stuff continues to whip. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the Luthor stuff is great. I, I think like this was this was sort of getting into a prime time for Lex Luthor as a villain, right? Like, or not as a, not necessarily as a villain. I mean, like as a character, because it wouldn't be long a- after this that you know there were aspects of him that were very sympathetic introduced and um and you had that great what paul cornell run mm-hmm. that's a, that's a year or two off i think but
0: um maybe even more actually
2: yeah well, it, was, it, it
0: was blackest night yeah
2: right well what year is this 2007
0: i this, think we're, we're
1: just hitting it's 07 06 07. 07 yeah we're just hitting 07
2: okay yeah so the paul cornell stuff is like Oh nine or 2010 or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, I just think he's earning his, uh, position as like one of the top DC villains easily.
0: I feel like Luthor goes through like cycles of being pure villain and then being a more sympathetic character for a little while and then just jumps back and forth every couple years. Yeah. Zach, anything to say about this issue?
1: No, not too much. I think this, this volume was very, very good and interesting to me, but I think where it ends off is like, I, I don't care as much about the, the Luther every man story. Um, and so, uh, I, I was a little bit less interested in this issue. I think if it had ended on, on issue 38 with uh, Charlie's death, it would have been a little bit more satisfying. But I understand, you know, it's broken up into four 13 issue chunks. So
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, so next week we'll not only be covering Volume Four, but also the World War Three event, which I have to say I've never read before because I've only read this in trades um same yeah i actually own the issues and i i bought them thinking oh next time i reread 52 i will read these as part of it so i'm excited to do that there Who, you go uh,
1: who's the creative team on that
0: uh, i'm not positive are you looking up or should i i'm trying to yeah okay well i'll stall while you do that uh thank you folks for uh, listening go go ahead it's um Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: they're all okay so the first two issues are written by Keith Champagne and have like just random 52 artists on on them one is Patrick Olaf the other is Andy Smith then the second two issues are written by John Ostrander and have uh, different artists on them as well
2: (laughs) <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard? Because
1: I just... Uh, the only other thing I know Keith Champagne from is the uh, Countdown Arena book, which I know is supposed to be really bad.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: So, we'll see. <laughs> well, well, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, next week, we'll be back with uh, the fourth volume of 52, as well as, like I said, World War 3. Uh, until then... If you have to get in touch with two-thirds of us, I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap, And I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, you can find him writing to John Madden about Territical Duncan, <laughs> as well as many other things. I'm sure that he has lots of thoughts he'd like to share with John Madden. So be on the lookout for that. Is John Madden still with us? He is still with us.
2: Oh, man. I hope he's. I hope he's doing okay.
0: I thought you were gonna say, "I hope he's dead." <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, no, "Man, no. that's
2: bleak." No, come on, my god! Yeah. What kind of monster do you think
0: I am? Uh, Some kind of monster? Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you for the Metallica reference. I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> you know my love for that documentary. Um, yeah, I know. You yeah. talk about it all the time. You need to watch it. One of these I'll, days. He'll
2: call me in the middle of the night, tell describing scenes to me. You, you should watch it so I'll stop doing that. um
0: yeah. But yeah, all I know about John Madden is that his games used to be fun. I don't know if they are anymore. I haven't played a football game in a long time. And that when I watched football more regularly and he was still broadcasting, he would just say the most inane shit like, uh, you know, the guy who's going to win this game is the one who scores the most touchdowns. Just, just really, really like basic stuff like that. So, um, Anyway, that's my John Madden riff. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Happy birthday, Halsey. I've told you before, I only recognize one Halsey, and that's Admiral Halsey.
2: <laughs> I'm a Simp.
0: Uh, I'm a Sim for a butter pie.